Welcome to episode six of StaffCast. I'll get right to the point. I'm Richard Staff, as always. I'm joined by New Year's number one fan, Trevor Hildenberger. Hi, everybody. Happy New Year's to everybody. I hope your 2024 is uh, full of growth and learning and you achieve all the goals you set for yourself. Right on. We're joined by New Year's hater, Sean Doolittle. I'm not sure what to make of 2024 yet. Um, I'm not optimistic, but I'm trying to embrace uh, New Year's and see it the way that Trevor does. This is a podcast of growth, but we are joined by someone very special. The queen of sodas, the head jerk at the soda fountain, and also she's at Sports Illustrated, I guess, but it's Emma Bacilieri. Thank you for uh, the full Italian pronunciation of the last name now. Yeah, that's really appreciated. Listen, someone has to do it. I'm glad it's you. I think I'm the only one that's half Italian in here, so... I'm Italian. How much? Less than half. Yeah, you see? Look at Richard demanding uh, blood quotas over here. (laughs) Come on, we can respect... Listen, give me your skull. I'm going to measure your skull. Come over here. (laughs) Oh, this is a eugenics podcast now? Yeah, new year, new brand. Hey, that's all I got. Emma's dad was actually in The Sopranos. You remember a little side character named Bobby? I remember Bobby. That's her dad. It's funny you bring that up because I had not watched The Sopranos until I was like 23. And so when I started writing online, I had no idea that I shared a name with Bobby Bacala. And uh, the first time I wrote something that got really big, I got some comments from people making jokes about my dad. Spoiler alert, I'm sorry for anyone who hasn't yet watched The Sopranos, um, being shot and killed in a train store. And I was like, that is such a weird thing to tweet at someone. Like, it feels like a threat, but I don't think that it is. And it's so weirdly specific that, like, it seems like you are implying some kind of knowledge of my dad but my dad doesn't care about trains and like why why would this be the threat that you make and I had no idea what people were referencing until years after the fact when I finally watched the show and was like oh my god it all makes sense these weren't like weird creepy veiled death threats towards my dad they were just people who like the Spanish <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> dad please, please don't go to the hobby shop you know, you, you can visit that hobby shop. That's like one of their claim to fames, I think. They have like a sign in the front window. Yeah, I, I went there once and they have a big sign that just says, Bobby Bacala was shot and killed here. And it's like, <laughs> oh, all right. Where is it, Rich? Uh, it's out east somewhere. I forget exactly where, but it's it's far enough out that I've only been there once. On Long Island? Yeah. Represent. You don't leave... You don't leave Long Island. You, you, that's that's as far as you go. I'm a Nassau supremacist, so if it gets out to <laughs> Suffolk County, we're not we're not bothering with that. Emma, what year was this when you watched The Sopranos? Uh, I started right before the pandemic, so it was like 2019. Oh, okay, cool. I I I didn't watch it until 2020, and I I think be, growing up, you know, in New Jersey. I remember like we didn't have HBO when like my house where I grew up. So I remember like when I went to college 
and the show, I think my freshman year was maybe in its third or fourth season, you know, and I told people I was from New Jersey, like they brought that up like every time I met somebody new. And I think I like kind of just like in like a weird like protest, like I just refused to watch the show because I was like, this is a weird stereotype, even though I'm from the part of New Jersey, South Jersey, that is nothing like um anything that happens in the show but like um i finally watched it in uh spring training of 2020 and uh man i'm so i'm so glad i did because it's probably one of my favorites it makes me wish that i had watched it in maybe not in real time but i had tried to simulate the conditions of watching it in real time because i wish i could have gone one episode at a time a week apart to like fully appreciate it and like let it marinate and yes. instead I was just binging 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 and yes um, yeah yeah I'm probably yeah. due for a rewatch because we were crushing two or three episodes a day in spring training when I would come home and like I'm I, I probably missed some stuff for sure and it's really good so not like you need an excuse to go back and watch it I feel like your relationship is so different with a show if you're waiting week to week and it takes 10 weeks <laughs> to like you're thinking about it you're talking about it you're tweeting about it or whatever versus like oh I just crushed this season in two days and then your life moves on you never think about it again I think that's how I interact with um long-term television what's it called yeah. long-form media yeah, but like know, yeah this tv show James Gandolfini almost literally died to make yeah you know I I watched it on like a holiday weekend and that was it. It was good. <laughs> I just what I mean. What's really like? Can you guys think of a show? Maybe Game of Thrones was the last one that like I watched in a way where you had to wait for it to come out. You know, on its scheduled day and time of the week. Like most of the media I consume is binged, and that's why I'm I'm bad with like delayed gratification. The White Lotus, baby. Yeah, and Succession. And Succession. Like, outside of HBO Sunday nights, like nothing. Yeah, Barry too. Yeah, HBO is the best. Content. HBO yeah. is carrying us. Yeah, excuse me, Max. It. Max. Max, sorry. Yeah, oh yeah, by the way, New Year's number one fan here. Trev, take it away. Yes, New Year's is my favorite holiday. I love, I love arbitrary um, restarts. I love that people just went, stop the count, stop the count, 365, that's enough. Back to day, maybe 366 every once in a while, but fucking <laughs> never 367. And let's just go back, it's day one again. We're starting over day one, you guys could be the saying, new year, new me, I love it. Um, setting goals, reaching them, not reaching them, that's like part of the fun. You know, if you do something for six months and then you fail, like, oh yeah, that was my resolution last year. Um so I want to hear some people's resolutions. And if you're anti-New Year's, Sean, go ahead and start and we can we can discuss. But Hater goes my first. first yeah. <laughs> okay. When Trevor said his favorite holiday was New Year's, I was picturing like New Year's Eve parties and going and you know, people going out and staying out to you know, count down and ring in the new year. And um I'm just not 
I don't vibe with that anymore. Like I'm in my boomer era. I'm retired. Um, I haven't been there for a while. I haven't been able to hang like that for a long time. Um, so when Trevor was, you know, hyping up New Year's in the chat earlier, I thought that's what he was talking about. And I just couldn't, I just didn't vibe with it. It's one of the messiest <laughs> nights of the year. And, and um, I can get on board with Trevor's um, ideas behind, you know, revolution uh, resolutions, having clean uh, a clean slate and a fresh start. Um, yeah, I would argue that you can make a decision to start fresh really any time. You don't need the calendar the Gregorian calendar to tell you when to do it, I guess, but it does feel good to have like a, a, a cutoff that, you know, a, this is a natural time, I guess, uh, to, to make resolutions and that everybody just agrees new to habits. Everybody's like, yeah, this is day on. one. We're starting over except for like Chinese new year, but like, this is, this is the fresh start. Everybody stop counting. Yeah, 2023. This is now 2024. Everybody's dates have to be like this. I think, you know what I think it is? It has something to do with Y2K. Because I was like nine or 10 years old at Y2K. And that was a huge oh, deal in my in my school and in my house. Like, we definitely thought our gateway yeah. computer was going to like freeze up and yep. I don't know, Terminator was going to start. Yeah. But but yeah, the you could start That was nuts. June we 3rd. were so dumb. We were so dumb. Yeah, we thought like if you typed thought. in zero zero for a year that like the computer was going to think it was like 1900 and then like everything was going to collapse. No, yeah, my, my car has been replaced with a horse overnight. Someone explained Rich, it to me. Were like, you even alive? The base code. Were you even alive like... for Y2K? I was a year and a half old. So uh, maybe don't uh, trouble so you, you me with your old people problems. You and your shitty cow printed gateway boxes. <laughs> How do you even know oh, about man. those? If you're that young, how do you have that? How is the lore in your mind? Because spiritually, in every form but physical, I am like 45. Do you remember the gateway keyboards? At least they were the first ones I saw where the the keys were like angled. So it was like ergonomically, it was like better for your wrist. Do you guys remember that? You're making this I, I have a job in young. which I order custom keyboards for people. And so I see split keyboards and like mounted keyboards in all shapes and sizes now. So I don't remember that in 2000, but I'm very familiar with keyboards now. I didn't even know those were options. That sounds really cool. Yeah. You found the first buy. It was <laughs> Kinesis Freestyle. Look up Kinesis Freestyle 2. I actually like, have always been really concerned about carpal tunnel. Oh, wow. That keyboard oh. looks amazing. Um, but my first job in high school was at an ice cream store and uh, someone got carpal tunnel from scooping. And so then they made us all like really pay attention to our scooping technique. Scoop form? So the, <laughs> Yeah. So we wouldn't have more teenagers at our ice cream store getting carpal tunnel. Um, and I've never had it, but it did make me extremely concerned about it. And I think about it way more than anyone who's never had wrist problems should and so maybe i should get a fancy keyboard to go with my ice cream scooping technique there are two pads you could take in life either therapy or fancy split keyboards and i'm excited to see which one you take here split keyboard and a vertical mouse and you'll be set that ice that ice cream shop sounds like child labor violations where 
kids are getting carpal tunnel from scooping ice cream. Yeah, we probably we should have sued. Yeah, my it's first organized, <laughs> organized. My first day working at the Triangle Shirtwaist Ice Cream Factory. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those places with a lot of mix-ins. Like that was their selling point. It, it wasn't a Cold Stone, but it like modeled itself on a Cold Stone, where you know it's not just that you're scooping it's that you're scooping and then you put it on the slab and then you have to get like the three yeah, toppings yeah, that people yeah, order yeah, yeah. and mix it all in um yeah. yeah our poor wrists we were really really working is how do you guys feel about root beer floats now you're in emma's wheelhouse <laughs> yeah nice segue thank you I love a root beer float I, my favorite float option is actually a uh regional soda called Cheerwine, which is very popular in North Carolina where I grew up and our biggest fast food chain cookout sells a Cheerwine float, which is delicious. It's like a cherry soda, but not super sweet. And it is wonderful with ice cream. Um, but yes, big float fan. I disliked making them as a an ice cream store employee because it kind of slowed everything down to go get the root beer have to make sure it doesn't fizz too much. And it just like kind of really threw a wrench in the process of, you know, our assembly line of, of ice cream scoop mixer inners to have to go procure a float. Um, so it wasn't my favorite thing to make as a ice cream employee, but it is a wonderful ice cream heating option in my opinion. Mm. Hell yeah. I have to disagree. Oh. I don't <laughs> like floats. <laughs> I'll let you get it out there, but I don't like Ruger floats. I've never had a cheer wine float to be fair. Um, but I just feel like it, it ruins both of them and they're mostly should be enjoyed separately. Like it makes the soda flat and it makes the ice cream melted, but not in a fun way. And I have very sensitive teeth cause I have no, absolutely no enamel left. So I don't like biting into ice cream. Um, it's just not my favorite, um, frozen treat. Uh, Emma, can you describe cheer wine, um, for, um, people that might not know what it is like me yes please um thank you for asking it's was originally just in the carolinas it's since expanded its footprint you can find it all over the southeast now and sometimes elsewhere um it is a cherry soda but it's not a very sweet over the top version of that i think it's closest to like it's not really like a cherry coke it's like a dr pepper with a slight cherry hint, I would say. Um, it's super carbonated, which I really like. I think that's really important in a soda and that's like one of the areas where it really shines. And um, yeah, Dr. Pepper-ish with like a cherry taste and it has a cult following um, even from people who aren't from North Carolina. And uh, good stuff. Are you the soda sommelier? I would like to think of myself as that. Yes, I have a, a soda newsletter called The Soda Fountain where I, I write about soda. Uh, if you haven't picked up on the number of times I said soda in the last sentence, that is the topic of the newsletter. Um, yeah, and I do have a, a newsletter I wrote about Cheerwine if anyone is interested. Oh, hell yeah. We'll How have many to subscribers add that do you have now? I have almost 700. Uh, you know, it's a, a, a small town, a very small town of, of soda heads over here. Yeah, big pop heads. Yeah. Cokeheads almost, if you yeah, really and, wanted to be from the And south. so, right. So that was, that was my next question. Is the 
the the common noun that we should be using is soda, correct? Because I know in different parts of the country, you have people that call it pop, maybe if they're from the Midwest, or some people in the South, a lot of people in the South, just call all soda Coke. And they're like, can I get a Coke? And they're like, yeah, what do you want? I'll have a Sprite. And it's like, what, what just happened? <laughs> I mean, look, this is an inclusive podcast. I don't think Rich is here to, to cut out wide swaths of the country and say they can't listen because of what they call carbonated beverages. So I, I'm not going to besmirch. Is this a long-winded way of saying that you don't call it soda? No, I do call it soda. I'm just saying I want to be inclusive <laughs> to to our, our pop heads and the, the Coke people. Like, they're welcome here too. But yes, yeah, I, I call it soda. But it's okay we're if soft drink don't. inclusionists. Yes. We love I think everybody. that's cool. We're not gonna we're not gonna gatekeep soda or soft drinks. I appreciate that. The fountain is open for all. So true. Favorite soda. Everybody's favorite soda. Go. Ooh. I don't have I don't have a favorite. Uh, that's not true. I'm going through a sprite phase right now. Okay. <laughs> I think <laughs> it's seasonal. I think I think it's underrated. That's just called retirement. Underrated. No, oh, I agree with that. It's one of the most popular sodas in the world. I mean, it is. One it of is. The best. But I feel like you have like really dedicated Coke versus Pepsi people. There are the Dr Pepper cultists. You have people who are into like weird niche things, and like, who says my favorite soda is Sprite? Like, you don't really run into that, you know. I I do think it's kind of underrated in that people just kind of like the lemon lime sodas are yes mainstream, widely available, but like. How often are you encountering someone being like, oh, yeah, I love Sprite. I, I agree with Sean. It is underrated. Wow. You know, I Man. one of the things that you mentioned a bubble. lot on the soda fountain is not just types of soda, but vibes of soda. And to answer this question for you, I'm going to pick a very, very special vibe of soda. Uh, the type that in the winter, someone might leave a case of soda outside and it gets extremely cold, probably on the border of freezing. And you say, oh, I want a soda. You go out and you get a 33 degree Coca-Cola. You're like, this is everything I've ever wanted. That's a great one. Yeah. Like we would just keep them in, in the garage. Yeah. Not in the fridge. Yeah. Just naturally so. cooled. If we're going with vibes, I would say a 3 p.m. desk Diet Coke, which is like the dullest part of the afternoon misery all the way through you need something there is nothing that can revive you like that diet coke uh in a can i mean i'll take a bottle if it's the only thing that's available but i really prefer a can um that that's my favorite soda we're talking vibe not just taste diet coke does have a very specific vibe it's different than coke zero so different yes keep drinking that garbage how do we feel about the the rebranding of Sierra Mist into Starry? Isn't that what they did? Uh, yes. Is that I, what that I is? Don't wanna, okay, I don't want to derail this whole podcast by just talking about soda. This is the rail. This is what we're on right Listen, here. If we didn't want the this soda is... chat, we wouldn't have invited you. Well, common misconception that it is a rebrand. It is technically an entirely oh. different product. I know It's okay. Lots of people made this mistake, including me. I tweeted this once and I was swiftly corrected in my DMs. <laughs> Um, it's a very slight taste difference. In fact, I, I haven't been able to try them side by side, but it's 
not super noticeable to me. Um, it's starry is slightly more carbonated and slightly more citrus forward than Sierra Mist was. But yeah, the idea was that in the world of lemon lime, Sprite had been dominant for so long that Pepsi really needed to step it up and like it just decided it had to kill Sierra Mist that we they couldn't announce it as a rebranding. They couldn't say like, we're just changing it up. Like we need to just kill it and come up with something completely new to, to court the young soda drinkers of America and try to make inroads against Sprite. And they came up with Starry. It's a slightly different taste, um, very different branding. I don't know. I actually, I, the branding has worked on me. Like I had not purchased an individual Sierra Mist probably ever in my life. Uh, and I have purchased Starry quite a few times this last year. So yeah, that's that's the deal with that. It's a pro. We're I like the logo and yeah, I like the logo and the uh, the colors obviously, um, because it is a it's a good like a green and yellow, right? Like it's a lemon lime look. It's cleaner. It's a much cleaner logo than Sierra Mist. Much cleaner. Uh, the tagline is "Starry hits different," which I kind of like. I see what they're going for. <laughs> um, Didn't you say now, Emma? In your last uh, newsletter, one of the press boxes was still serving Sierra Mist. Yes. What an intentive reader you are, Rich. Um, so the Orioles. We do our homework a... on this podcast. We, we do, do our homework on yeah, Sierra Underestimated you guys. Um, Camden Yards is a Pepsi ballpark. And so on the concourse, like in the concessions, all of the Sierra Mists were switched to Starry this year. However, in the press box, either because they forgot or they don't care or for whatever reason, it is still Sierra Mist. And it's legitimately the only place I've been able to find Sierra Mist anywhere. Like they were really thorough about getting Sierra Mist out and getting Starry in. And yet wow. the only place that's left for me at least is the press box at Camden Yards. Although I have wondered, are they using the syrup for Starry? And they just haven't replaced the label on the soda machine because there are no Orioles writers who care about that except for me. Um, it is possible they're tricking us. Uh, but that is a question for next spring, I guess, because I didn't ask it this year. Yeah. Imagine being oh, gaslighted wow. by the Orioles press box soda machine. I think they might be doing that, though. Because if they have the syrup to make starry and all the soda machines in the concession stands like are they really do they have a private sierra mist supply of syrup for this one machine i don't think so i think they just didn't ever change the label and oh. they're feeding us starry but telling us it's sierra mist maybe someone Although, at masson really likes sierra mist it's the angelos family yeah. the angelos family is pro sierra mist they won't let it's the big the big mist agenda we're holding on because Pepsi went woke and got rid of Sierra Mist. <laughs> Speak on it, Sean. You tell them. Nothing hits. <laughs> speaking of hitting different, nothing hits better than a ice cold Barks root beer and a slice of pizza. New York, baby. Do you have strong root beer brand opinions? No. I used to really like, when I was a kid, my dad would take me to BevMo and I would get Jones soda and I would always pick like the coolest photo on the label, you know, because it's like all user or like, um, you know, customer submitted photos. 
<clears throat> so I really like Jones root beer, but Barks and W, which I don't really have. Barks and Mug. I mean, interchangeable to me. I can't tell the difference. I don't think anyone ever like chooses a root beer. It's always just what wherever you are, it's what they yeah. have, and that's what you're taking. Um, I have a question, Emma, about um, maybe this is to soda heads in general. Um, do you, is there a correct way to, to drink soda? Is it supposed to be from the can itself or is a fountain soda with ice uh, acceptable? That's my favorite, by the way. I like, I like, so I like it on ice, no straw. I just like to sip it. Okay. Now I know there's some people out there that will only drink it out of a can don't prefer bottles, you know, like what have you come across uh, in talking with other soda heads out there? Yeah. So I, I haven't uh, conducted a thorough survey, so I don't want to speak for the community here. Uh, you know, all soda heads have their own preferences, but personally my ranking would be fountain soda can bottle. And then within each tier, there are, you know variations like my favorite type of fountain soda is mcdonald's i just feel like a coke or a sprite from mcdonald's really has a certain thing that other fountain fast food drinks just doesn't have um the movie theater really hits different in the movie theater um but yeah same thing just a ton of ice fountain drink that's my top then cans I actually quite like the mini cans that a lot of manufacturers have been going on lately. Um, they have the mm. like 7.5 ounce, I think, uh, little cans. They're very cute. And that's a, it's a great Diet Coke. They make it for Starry. They make it for Dr. Pepper. Good stuff. Um, and then, yeah, last place is a bottle, which I'll still take. Like, it's fine. But it's not, you know, it doesn't have either the, the carbonation or the nice ice cold temperature that I like. I agree with everything. You're spitting soda facts, and this is why you were anointed the, the czar of soda. <laughs> I like. Where do you the... think ballpark sodas rank? Like, if you know, you mentioned McDonald's and movie theaters, and I absolutely agree; those are the best places to get, I think, sodas. But where do ballpark sodas rank? It's a great question. I honestly feel a little a little ill-equipped to answer because if I'm at a ballpark as a fan, I'm probably getting a beer. Um, but I can, you know, a ballpark soda is really nice. Like something about the hot day, maybe you have some salty food to go with it, like popcorn or a pretzel. It's a really good combo. Um, you have an opportunity to just like leisurely sip over the course of a couple of innings. Um, that's a good. Not soda anymore thing. with the pitch with the pitch clock, folks. Am I right? We, you, you're, you, you're not even gonna. You can't make it's going to last you all game now, folks. They're they're calling them Woka Cola. <laughs> <laughs> you sit down with your Coke and it's time for the seventh inning stretch. What are we doing here? And I have to put it down, <laughs> stand for the flag, put down the soda. It's all working against us, folks. No, come on. The folks. most American thing is holding your giant soda as you stand up to respect the flag. The soda yeah, is part of the American ounce. experience. Yeah. Double gulp. Yeah, Mike yeah. Bloomberg. I love a taco yeah, truck speaking... soda. Like the Haritos, like a Mandarin Haritos or a squirt. One of those mm. Mexican Cokes with real sugar. 
Mexican Coke and the glass bottles. This yeah. is a Mexican Coke tier. podcast. Mexican yes. Sprite, also very good. Ooh, I didn't Ooh. know they had that. Ooh, new Lord. Yeah, I didn't know that was a it. thing. I, I have to. This is, I guess, a question for everyone, uh, as a writer and as players. Are there major league soda heads, or is it one of those things where it's like, oh, that's not healthy, and you don't have players who come to form opinions on whether they like Coke Zero or Diet Coke better? Uh, it changed a lot over the course of my career. Um, like in the first half of my career, um, there were soda fountain machines in pretty much every clubhouse and um it was obviously something that was usually safe for after the game um players didn't really want that much um you know the carbonation can make you feel heavy and and slow especially in the, the hot summer months and didn't always go down smooth um but after the game you know you're having uh your dinner in the clubhouse um yeah there was guys would would use it i don't know if i ever played with like a like a true soda head um but by around like 2016 2017 um clubs started um making moves towards healthier options in in clubhouses and and teams um you know even when, when it came to the visiting clubhouses teams were were taking uh more of a lead on what their what their players were getting in visiting clubhouses as well so like in the, the towards the end of my career there there just hasn't been soda in in clubhouses so um like <clears throat> i it's just it was it's weird not to think about it but it's weird like that's where they drew the line was like soda remember what so they i got lacroix out of it I got LaCroix out of it. I'm a big LaCroix head. So mm -hmm. um, a lot of, uh, a lot of places that we went have LaCroix in the, in the refrigerators and the food rooms and stuff. So um, I was happy about that. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I have never talked about soda with a player, although obviously I had far fewer opportunities for those conversations than you guys would have, but I have talked about seltzer because I had a conversation with a guy once who I know there's at least one team that he got to stock Topo Chico instead of LaCroix uh, because they believed superior seltzer and they went all in on Topo Chico instead of LaCroix. Well, Topo Chico is like mineral water, isn't it? Or am I yes, but it's carbonated. Emma, was that Seattle? Yeah. Can you say? Uh, it was Tampa. Can you oh. Say? But I, when I got I to Seattle, there was Topo Chico. Oh okay, my maybe gosh, it's multiple. it was so good. Yeah, Topo Chico. So like having that just like readily available was was that was show. That was. I'm uh, not. I'm not as well loop. versed in soda, but we could talk about carbonated water, bubbly water. I could do a ranking on that. Waterloo, Lacroix, Polar, Spindrift. Spindrift's trash. Spindrift has some I'm good flavors. I agree. It's not as the carbonation isn't as good, but they have like a raspberry lime one that I think is. It's a good flavor. Mm, I haven't tried that one. That does sound good. Trevor, what was your number one? Waterloo. Yeah. There's Here. a Waterloo. Waterloo. Fans can't see me holding oh, yeah. up the prop, but this is my black <laughs> cherry Waterloo. Black oh, cherry. Yeah, the carbonation is perfect. Peach. Ooh, the peach. peach one is my favorite. Yeah, peach is fire. 
I'll say this podcast is going to be a lot of hosts holding up soda cans to the camera and saying, check out this one. <laughs> and I know you can't see them, but let it be known that we could see them. And sometimes that's enough. Emma, what about like deep cuts here? Like, cause we've talked about a lot of mainstream sodas, right? You know, the Cokes, the Sprites, uh, some root beer and stuff. Uh, you've mentioned Cheerwine in the beginning. Uh, are there any other kind of under the radar sodas um, that are maybe like regional things that you think mm. people should know about? Yeah, I have another North Carolina one I love is Sundrop, which is also in the lemon lime family. So kind of like a, a Sprite or a Starry. Um, and I think it's based in North Carolina, but you can get it all over the Southeast now and pretty good. Another one I grew up on. Um, one that I just tried that is not like my regional soda, but for New Englanders out there, uh, I've started drinking Moxie, which I know is kind of polarizing. Um, the oldest soft drink. Why is it polarizing? Um, well, it has kind of this unique taste. To me, it tastes kind of licorice-y, like a, a oh, cola no. base. Yeah, it's, I think it's good. Um <laughs> Everyone I've shared it with hates it, but I think it's kind of good. This is why this is <laughs> you why you gotta people, lead with that. Yeah. Everyone I've shared it with hates it. This is why everyone well, was threatening your dad in a train shop because you keep recommending Moxie to them. I'm honest about it. I it's unique, but yeah, I mean, even their tagline again to the listeners at home. I'm sorry, I'm holding it up, but it, the tagline is distinctively different. Um, which hints that it's you know not for everyone. And it, it, the logo is this guy pointing at you, telling you to drink it. Um, uh, but it looks I like cousin Sam, good. not Uncle Sam. It looks like Uncle <laughs> Sam younger. Looks like Babe Ruth. Is it caffeinated? What's the what's the situation there? Yeah, it's like so. I would say the base taste is just a a cola taste. Like it tastes kind of. I would say more like a Dr Pepper than a Coke. But then yeah, it has this really strong taste that to me is more like licorice i think other people find it less pleasant than that um i don't know how else i would describe it does it give you that feeling no, of moxie it, uh yes it does rich and that's actually where the word moxie comes from is from this soda which is so old it's the 19th century product um and they i believe they originally marketed it as a moxie's nerve drink or nerve food nerve tonic. and yeah exactly <laughs> and it just got your nerves up and going and it, that's moxie and it became it's a the word oldest in the united yeah. states or in the world uh i know the united states but i'm not wow. sure about globally i gotta get my hands on some From going back to when again you said 1800 something yeah let me look it up i don't want to deceive the staff heads um 1876. No way. Huh. So you think Alexander Graham Bell was inventing the telephone and just throwing back Moxie to try to like just get sucking it, down a couple Moxies? It's like it's he so was just like he was people... like, hey, go in the other room and see if this works. And he's just sitting, there's a pile of just Moxie cans. He's Didn't he people... like steal the patent for that? Didn't I read that somewhere? Maybe I'm I'm just reading conspiracy know. theories. Antonio Mayuchi. He's canceled. He's canceled. He's a hero. I'm never using a phone again. Antonio Mayucci. Uh, never use. He's a is, fraud. Is it bad that people didn't have soda during the Civil War? Do you think that that maybe could have softened things and avoided the whole conflict? If maybe they I'm, had some moxie. 
so true. Mm. It's like the Kendall Jenner Pepsi commercial that if they yeah. could have just had a can to share, <laughs> everything would be fine. Just, <laughs> just puncturing a can with someone's bayonet. Here you go, guys. Drink up. Oh Only my god! I forgot about that. Sierra Mist. Uh, you see, Stonewall oh Jackson. God. He would have loved Dr Pepper Ten just for men. <laughs> 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 oh man maybe, maybe that should be the next all right so we got cheer wine sun drop moxie we have anything from the west we got the south we got you have anything from uh south dakota <laughs> other than to, sean yeah start doing soda tourism <laughs> so i have a better sense actually what i would love to do has anyone been to a soda shop in utah no, I know baseball no. prospectus writer Jeffrey Pedernostro moved to Utah, and there are some insane sodas there. Yes, because, you know, the Mormon influence is so significant there. You have fewer bars and coffee shops, but you do have soda shops where it's just like insane customizable sodas with all these crazy syrups, and they're very popular. Um, oh. I've never been. I would love to go. Yeah, every once in a while, I send them a message like, how are the sodas doing there? It's like a wall of 50 flavors, and they're just like boysenberry cream. It's like, I don't know where these are coming from, but God bless the Mormons for making them. And Mormons are doing something right, and it's sodas. <laughs> yeah, I I would love to try one. So if there are Do any you guys know the... any Mormons yeah. out there, Bryce Harper, <laughs> if you're listening, please send them some soda. Do you think they hit guys, different at that altitude too, right? Because they're 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 almost a mile up, and I know that's uh, like I know they they tone down the alcohol percentage in you know mm-hmm. adult beverages that they serve there. But I wonder if like the caffeine and the sugar just gets you hype. They crank that up. Sounds delightful. You have to go and test for us. Me. Well, no, Emma, not you. I mean, you're hey, retired. retired. He has. You're retired. You have to stay home. Presumably. You and the pen in your hand. You and your That's boomer right. arc. I'm in my boomer era right now. My 25 year old coworker legit called me a boomer. Uh, I'm 33, and I was broken beyond repair for the rest of the day. Look, I mean, speaking for the 25 year olds, there's there's a gap there. What did you do to deserve that? I've never had an office job. I don't know where shortcuts are on Excel spreadsheets. Oh, you are. uh, She was like, oh, like, just click on this and, you know, command K, whatever. And I was like, huh, what? And she's like, oh, my God, you're a boomer. Here, let me just do it. And I was like, oh, my God, fucking crushed. I'm sorry, but I think Grandpa Trevor is saying, well, uh, what's going on here? How come? What are sticky keys? I I think uh, she had a right to say it. She might not be wrong, but I didn't want to face that reality at that moment. Trevor's in the office, like po- po- pressing buttons on the tower of his gateway desktop computer. <laughs> it's making noises. Hey, uh, do they still have space pinball on here? <laughs> want to do something during my break? <laughs> okay. You joke, but I actually have gotten back into Minesweeper lately. 
because I wanted a mindless phone game that didn't feel like it was actively making me stupider or something that didn't feel like it was designed to be marketed to like teenagers. And so I downloaded a version of Minesweeper, which I hadn't played since I was like, you know, like 10 on an old computer. Minesweeper is so much fun. Like there's a reason why Minesweeper was the best computer game. I'm going to need a tutorial on Minesweeper because I think I've opened it accidentally a few times and tried to play it. And it's like, I have no idea what's going on. My There's entire like ones list, and twos yeah. and smile faces. Every time I face. open it, you just sort of like click around five times and then it blows yeah. up and you're like, ah, we had fun, didn't we? And you turn it <laughs> off forever. Okay. That's a wrap. I'm going to try Solitaire. Is Minesweeper different than Minecraft? Oh, you're so old. That, oh, God. <laughs> Uh, oh man i actually do know they're different okay i was just joking no i'm sean do you can i play minesweeper on my coleco vision or is that out of date (laughs) this is a Emma. i have one more soda question do you are you mad at um, Michelle Obama for trying to get soda out of school and and you're you're trying to bring it back? Is that what's going on here? You know, I I support healthy children. I hold no animus towards Michelle Obama. And as a, a I was a <laughs> child in school at the time, and uh, it's okay. It made this it is all a, the... this is an unwoke podcast. We're partnered with Outkick and Clay Travis. You could say what you want about <laughs> Michelle Obama. <laughs> Yeah, I'm retired now. I don't have to be woke anymore. You can uh, go on all the soda crusades you want. Um, yes. But no, made it all the much sweeter to come home from school and have soda at home if I couldn't have it at school. Yeah, they was... had these open air soda markets, actually. And <laughs> they had caravans that were actually like Coca-Cola trucks with polar bears. It was very bad for a while there. They're teaching critical soda theory, and you, they don't, you don't want your kids to know about that. Critical fizz theory. They're teaching our kids <laughs> that brown sodas are better than clear sodas. <laughs> oh, my God. Do you guys remember Sobe? Do you remember the drink yes. Sobe? Yes. yes. They used to have Sobe machines in my middle school, and that was my favorite drink of the world. It was like this creamy green slime. And I loved it. And then they took them out um, when, like, the health in, like, 2000, I forget what year. But they are disappeared, and I've never seen a Sobe since, and I miss it. I think Sobe's dead. As, uh, yeah, it's got to be dead by now. As the young representative here, my only connection to Sobe is, when I was young, I used to, on the PlayStation 2, there was this game Driver 3. And I guess for funding reasons, they had Sobe ads on, like, box trucks in the game. <laughs> and since by the time I was able to gain sentience, it was all but gone. It more or less just ended up like that's not a real beverage. That's like the video game box truck one. And nothing I've seen in my life has proven otherwise. So yeah. you're you're making things up again, is what I'm saying. No, Sobe was real. I don't think so. I remember. We had we had Snapple machines at my school. Wow, uh, and then uh, South Dakota doing big. I it was this was in New Jersey, okay. This was in New Jersey, and and they the let you rowdy that, kids I, have glass bottles without supervision in New Jersey. No, they had, they were plastic bottles. They were the 
the plastic like 20 ounce water they, they were like gatorade bottles essentially um we weren't classy uh and didn't have did they glass. still have the fun facts on the cap yeah they did okay. yeah and i remember like um i was a big snapple peach guy and i i think part of the reason i remember so the snapple machine so vividly was like there was a rumor post 9-11 uh, you guys might be too young to remember this that like bin laden owned snapple and so like people started <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> that's true this family it's guy true. cutaway sucks it's true and like that was the weirdest time like for i i remember like trying to explain this to like my younger teammates but like not this specific conspiracy but like just the vibes in general uh in the early 2000s um was it and i mean right now would be pretty weird to be in high school but it was a weird time i think, I, I did be... look it up there's an article on snopes from october 18th 2001 does osama bin laden own snapple yeah, I told okay, you it was 18th. like a conspiracy. That is so fast for that to have circulated to That's merit like a, month, a Snopes yeah. article. Yeah. As they were coming down, someone was like, you know, doesn't this guy own Snapple? See, it was so I forget, I don't know the actual truth. Uh I obviously he did not have anything to do with Snapple. <laughs> Are um, you sure? But <laughs> yes. Keep drinking that garbage. But it, um yeah, so I'm imagining I, like what, Osama Snapple fun Twitter facts. <laughs> Do you think he was writing those? Writing oh the Snapple facts? Yeah, the fun facts. He snuck a few in there. I just remember having to use the payphone that was next to the Snapple machine to call my parents to tell them my practice was over and I needed a ride home. You really are just getting older by the minute, aren't you? Remember, I mean, they just. You know, kids these days with their cell phones now, you know. You know, they don't, they don't remember. Call, I'm, in, I'm in my Goose Gossage era. You call 1-800-CALL-ATT, and then like when they would ask for your name, you'd just be like, practice is over, come pick me up, and you'd hang up. What that a bizarre world down the that, middle. that you left Caraton. behind. 1-800-C-A-L-L-A-T-T. I remember those ads. Yeah. It was right down yeah. the middle. It was right down, so the, down, down the middle. Yep. Dial down in the middle. We had a baby eats a boy. <laughs> you don't remember that either? <laughs> yeah, I do. You just unlocked a memory that's been in the back <laughs> of my brain for so long. Oh, but man. I've never heard of Osama bin Laden owning Snapple, which is the funniest thing maybe ever. I mean, you think you think we're crazy now? We were ever people were every bit as crazy back then. Why you Snapple? Been, what, middle school of all the things. I don't know. I don't know, bro. People were just on on one. Did you I'm keep trying to imagine it? like Twitter if Twitter was around in October two thousand one? Oh man, oh, God! Imagine people in Snapple's replies just tweeting like, "We know who's <laughs> behind you. Where is he?" That is a good topic of which historical moment would have been the best slash worst to have Twitter for. I feel like the JFK assassination would have been really bad with Twitter, but also would have produced uh, a ton of memes. Listen, we got a sneak peek that one time. Darren Ravel tweeted like the 4K slow-mo of JFK's skull getting obliterated at like 7 a.m. 
it was like on the anniversary of it and he tweeted like uh slow-mo hd video was sold by the zapruder family and it was just a looping gif of like the right side of jfk's head splattering people are like why are you posting this at like 7 a.m on a thursday he's like well you know it's part of historical record it wouldn't be the same was that in show that wasn't the same was that connected at all to his tweet that was like I feel bad for our country, but this is tremendous content. No, but it's the same idea. That and the time where he's like, uh, you know, I'm an avid collector of Martin Luther King memorabilia. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have his letter that he wrote in the Montgomery jail. It's like, give that back. What give it doing? back. <laughs> what are you doing with that? That's not. You're like, how'd you get that? He's like, no, listen, it, it's an easy story. The jail guard was a grand wizard and he sold it at an auction and I bought it. It's fine. No, that's the real story. It was, yeah, like the person who, I don't think he was the direct one. There was probably a link between, but it was like the guard took the letter and kept it and his family sold it once. It got sold again. Either way, from the fingertips of Martin Luther King Jr. to Darren Ravel's safety deposit box to tweet out once a year. Rich, you have such a diseased mind. This is so many Darren Ravel tweets you have just recalled off the top of the dome. That was just yeah. like three. All right. And one of them wasn't even me. Sean did one of them. That was still a lot of detail. Like you remembered when they were tweeted. Like well, I, I have brainworms as bad as anyone, but that's <laughs> look, I was I watched our beautiful Irish Catholic president's head blow up. I'm gonna remember what day that was. Oh my god. Emma, that's a really good question though. I'm trying to think of like events. Pearl Harbor. I'm okay. Yeah. Uh I'm trying to think of like not tragedies. Like oh what was that? Was it 1985 where Villanova got beat by like like the the college basketball game? It was like the biggest upset ever. That would have been NC State. NC State. Yeah, that would have been really cool. All the memes would have been great. How like uh, the 1961 Pirates hitting a walk-off homer in the bottom of ninth in Game 7. Bill Mazeroski. Imagine if Twitter was around when Babe Ruth killed his poor wife Helen in a house fire. That would have been nuts. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You talk no about, one wants to talk about you it. Think, you think Ravel's out of pocket. This dude, <laughs> out of nowhere, unprompted, accused Babe Ruth of murdering his wife. And, Allegedly. And, and by extension... And by extension, everybody else covering it up and not holding him accountable by ever talking about it again. (laughs) Babe Ruth turned his wife to ash, but y'all aren't ready for that conversation. (laughs) No cap. No cap. (laughs) Period. Oh, man. What about the moon landing? That would have been a good one, huh? Ah, that's a great one. The conspiracy tweets would have been insane. What oh moon landing? Gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that how about Columbus been really discovering good. America? And it's like, hey, look, this dude said there's like more land over there. It's like, ah, uh, shut up. Blue check being like, there's no more land over there. All right, the world ends. What do you think this is? It's flat. Yeah. Hashtag Ponce de Leon 1494. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
um, like the the uh, the Civil War era all the way through would have been nuts. I would have unhinged. I would like to see people selling a Jefferson Davis coin in like the replies to Abe Lincoln's tweets. L plus ratio plus Jefferson Davis has the real claim to the throne. Plus buy Davis coin. I mean, you Davis could argue. You could argue. You could argue that this that that thread is you know it's still going it's still going on. People are still fighting that that war today, but it's because they didn't have soda. John. So true. They had to wait till eighteen seventy six to get their hands on Moxie. Yeah, yeah. That that Twitter should have been around for the first for the first soft drink. Moxie. Imagine the first person uh, tweeting that. Oh man, my mouth is fizzling. Am I okay? It tastes like licorice. And it's like, no, it's all right. That's just soft drinks, buddy. My nerves it's actually, are fired up. Love this nerve. <laughs> nerve gas. I recently looked up um a little uh spoiler for the the devoted soda readers who might be listening. My next issue is gonna be about Baja Blast because 2024 it will start being sold in stores year-round, not just Taco Bell. Um, wow. So, yeah, huge, huge moment. But I tried to find the first tweet to mention Baja Blast because I was trying to trace its, like, growth into the cult thing it is. It was introduced in 2004, and I wanted to uh, see if I could track down the first tweet. And I found it. There's one in 2006. That was just someone who's like, I am so excited to drink this Baja Blast. Looks great. Um, Travis Kelsey ass tweet. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wholesome. Was there a hashtag in it? His... Too? No, no hashtag. Just, just a guy in his Baja Blast. Twitter so was around in 2006, huh? Yeah. It's, yeah, that, it's so funny that people were digging up old Kelsey tweets and they're like the most wholesome, like, himbo <laughs> tweets of all time. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I just like, gave a squirrel some bread and spelled squirrel wrong. Had no idea. He mashed the whole thing. Had no idea they ate bread like that. Hashtag awesome. <laughs> These ones that were like, damn, assignment due tomorrow. Hashtag didn't do it yet. <laughs> and the funniest thing, you see those tweets, you're like, oh, that's nice. And it's like, wait a minute, he was, he was 23 when he wrote that. <laughs> yeah, like he's yeah. old. Yeah, because he was old coming out of college. Like he had... Uh, he had start. I think he started at Cincinnati and then had to leave the program. And then he got a second chance. He got to come back. So like, uh, I, I think he was like 22, 23, 24 when, when he left by the time he left there. And he was just like hamming it up. Like, can't wait to crush this Taco Bell later. Like yeah. Hashtag it, it, yummy. Was, it was legend. It's so awesome. Legend. Did it's you also guys... crazy to me that you can win two Super Bowls, be extremely prominent nationally, and no one finds these tweets, which are just, like, very funny, just as they are. It, like, that yeah. it took dating Taylor Swift to uncover this incredible treasure trove of great material. Um, like, like, I can't believe Chiefs fans really slacking on not giving us the uh, gave a squirrel a piece of bread much earlier. Mankind has never seen a force more powerful than the Swifties. I truly believe that. I like how football players are sort of a different animal where if you said like if Travis Kelsey played baseball and someone came up to you and said, oh, they found all Travis Kelsey's old tweets. You'd be like, oh, no. Uh, oh, no. Uh, what slurs did he use? But football guy, it's just like 
damn ate something before bed still woke up hungry hashtag haha <laughs> have you seen that have you seen that one tweet that uh kind of goes through the different positions of football player oh, yeah. tweets and i don't think there's a tight end one on there but now there should be because the quarterback one is like it's very straight it uh be very like level and it's like you know thanks glory to god like thanks to my teammates and the the running somebody back send that to like, me i don't i haven't seen that and the, the wide receiver is like the enemy moves softly and carries a knife. Cause like a lot of receivers are just like a little bit out there. Oh yeah. Here it is. Typical quarterback top... tweet. Love my teammates. God is good. Running back tweet. Keep grinding. <laughs> tight end tweet. Derp. Wide receiver tweet. The enemy speaks kindly and holds a knife. <laughs> <laughs> are, there, are there baseball player tweets? Is there like a specific thing that you guys have gone through where you're like, <laughs> yeah, so you know, good. you know, catchers are just sort of, I don't know. They, they start quoting Sun Tzu for some reason. Is there any, anything like that? <laughs> um, I honestly don't know. I don't, not that I'm aware of, but I'm, I might, I might've just been too close to it. I, I don't, I, I'm not sure if there's a position breakdown like that in baseball. I mean, you don't think Derek Barton was getting down with like some Confucianism? I don't know. Derek Barton, A's legend. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I feel like I feel like the closest you might get is like starting pitchers posting like Instagrams for golf courses or something. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, they only have to work sure. once a week. Starting pitchers they only have to work things. once a week. Nobody wants to work anymore. No, you know, and I'm like, they're like, do you want to go golfing tomorrow? Like we're leaving at eight, at, you know, seven 30, we're going to have breakfast and then leave. And I'm like, no, nah, bro. Like I'm going to be up until two o'clock. Cause I pitched tonight and then I'm going to have to sleep until like noon, you know, so that I'm back on schedule to be ready to pitch after you're done at, you know, 10 o'clock tonight. So no, thank you. I'm Relievers would definitely have the most unhinged tweets. I think they do yeah. just already. Yeah. Including two people in this call. They're very weird tweeters. Well, one yeah, former tweeter. Blue Sky. Yeah, I'm not on Twitter right now. So how's it going over there? It's awful. Poor. Very poor. <laughs> and yet we're but still I did kind of... here. Still keep drinking that garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Still I did see a tweet that was like Everybody kept quote tweeting it. It was about like, what's your favorite deleted tweet that you've ever seen? And oh, yeah. I've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of that. I think Devin Booker had tweeted watching Schindler's List in class, hashtag boring. And then it's like, this tweet has been <laughs> oh deleted. My God. <laughs> oh my God. It's always, I forget which one it was, but it it's like the one of the oldest like flubbed brand tweets where it's, I think United Airlines accidentally tweeted a, a picture in response to someone's like, Oh, my flight was delayed. And it was uh, a, a lady with a certain aviation uh, mode of transportation <laughs> inside of a, a bodily cavity. You <laughs> had an airline suite of that? Yeah. That was such delicate phrasing. I was waiting for you to, yeah. to, to mess up and you just. No, this is. the landing. We need to. BPG, we need advertisers. Delta, 
or United, whoever it was, if you want to make up for that tweet, we could always do reads for you. We you just promise. graphically described a president being assassinated well, like five minutes ago. That's a matter of public record. You could watch it. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying to take the assassinations out of schools. The old tweets, though, did remind me of how much more wholesome Twitter seemed in, you know, really before I think it probably got super toxic around 2015, maybe. I think that's before people knew it had power and they sort of just thought it was a like a schizophrenia journal that you could sort of put things in. And it's like, oh, we're all we're all a little weird here. And then when it's like Donald Trump won the presidency off of tweets, they're like, oh, we could do things with this. Yeah. And it's been bad ever since. Before that, Twitter was just like Facebook statuses. That's what I, I mean, that's what I use Facebook for. It was just like basically tweeting in college. Yeah. When I was in school, I, in the early 2010s, if you brought up Twitter, it was like, oh, that website where people are like, hashtag eating breakfast. What a dumb website. Right. It's like, right. Oops, sorry, it, it's going to cause a civil war. That hashtag eating breakfast <laughs> yeah, website. Had... Yeah, but you had weird Twitter where people were doing all kinds of wordplay and jokes and um, pe- people were given fave star trophies. Like, do you guys remember that you guys might be too young? I don't remember. But like you could give if Trevor had a, a, a really funny tweet, like I could send him a trophy and you could get like a fave star trophy. And like there there were rankings for like retweets and and. It was wild. It was like, and we were probably just gamifying, um, you know, puns and stuff like that. But it was a, uh, it was a lot different. Ten years, it's gone absolutely sideways. What are fave star trophies, if not historic NFTs? I thought you were going <laughs> in a different direction with that, and I thought you were going to take the like, what is grief, if not love, persevering meme, and be like, what, what are fave star trophies? <laughs> If not, not LOLs persevere. Yeah. No, I'm not enlightened enough for that, unfortunately. <laughs> Actually, one thing. Emma, what do you have in the works for for 2024? Yeah, what do I you, was going to uh, say, what, what do what's coming on, up on tap? Uh, I have one story I'm excited about and happy to maybe get some input here. On, I'm talking to a professional glove technician a guy who just repairs baseball gloves and mitts um wow yeah so i'm curious because it's you know i haven't talked to a a ton of players yet but this guy like this is just all he does so people send him their gloves both you have you know pro players who are like so attached to their gloves that they want it like reworked every year because they just would never want a a new glove they just want to keep their current one and you know update it every every winter and then you know most of his clients are like someone finds their grandpa's you know ancient glove in the back of the garage and are like oh like I want to preserve this somehow but it looks terrible and so I need someone to fix it up and uh that's most of what he does um but yeah it's really curious to me how there are some guys who are so obsessive about their glove which makes sense and then other guys who just like don't really care and get a new one every few seasons and it's just like whatever it's like any other piece of equipment and then guys who are like this is my baby. I would do anything for it. Um, mm. So, which I, I mean, I'm infielders obviously have stronger feelings, but like 
What was your relationship to your glove? John, go ahead. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to speak for all pitchers, but I feel like pitchers maybe out of all the positions on the field, maybe don't have as strong of a connection with their glove. Um, and uh, I was really superstitious. So like I was constantly rotating my gloves um, based on, because it absolutely was not my fault. Um, <laughs> it was the, it was the gloves fault. Um, and so um, there were times where, you know, I, I, a glove would last a couple months and there were times where a glove might only last, lasted one or two outings. And, um, you know, they, then they would become a practice glove, a catch play glove, shag BP with it uh, before games and stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I still have the glove that I used for my debut. I still have the glove that I pitched with in the world series. Um, and um I got to do some cool designs with with Wilson later on in my career that that I had a lot of fun with and um, I really enjoyed. But um, for me as a pitcher, like I I needed there were certain models that I preferred because I liked the way that my hand came out of the glove when I separated my hands to pitch, um, and and I also needed like. Uh, my hand to be covered up inside the glove. Like when I came set, cause a lot of times I came, I came set away from my body and I didn't want anybody picking the grip up. So like I had certain things that like I looked for in a glove, but um, at least for me, maybe it's cause I was a weird lefty, but like, I didn't, I, I wasn't like, I never used a glove. I don't even think any of my gloves lasted a full season before they, they had to, I, they, they had to take a timeout and they would, they would go in the locker and I'd try another one and I'd pitch okay with it. And then I'd bring out, maybe bring that one back if I needed to, like, you know. Nothing says first rounder, one? like when your glove doesn't make it through a full season. <laughs> I use the yeah. same glove for like Does my it still smell like lavender, in your, your World Series glove? <clears throat> the World Series glove does still smell like lavender, yes. Um, because I doused the laces with lavender to try to calm my nerves um but no trevor i wouldn't throw it away like i would just put it it would become like my catch play glove yeah but you Um, had multiple gloves he didn't throw it away he just had like 30 of them yeah multiple gloves you swapped in there i i i mean i don't have like a i wouldn't call it weird attachment to my glove but i would never let anybody else i would never like send it away to have have it relaced by somebody I would do that myself. I would tighten it myself. I'd break it in myself. And I have t- tiny little baby wrists. And so I would like undo the laces uh, on the wrist part and try to tighten that as much as I could. And like no one else could really get their hand in my glove because they had like normal adult male hands. <laughs> and so I could, I would tighten my glove super tight and then no one else could really get their hands in it. And I wouldn't want them to. I don't want people using my gloves. Um, I had to like bet when I was in the minor leagues, I bought my first glove, which was a Navy blue, a 2000, uh, within two weeks of being in the Florida, uh, what do they call it now? The GCL, the Gulf coast league in the playing noon games in Florida. It was like a seafoam green. It's and the Florida complex league now. Florida complex league. Thank you. Uh, it was like a seafoam green and it was absolutely foul. 
but I bought it off eBay for like 200 bucks with my signing bonus. And then I had to like beg Mizuno to send me a glove when I got invited to the fall league. I like reached out to Mizuno multiple times and like, let me just get one free glove. Uh, I promise like I'll post about it. I'll do whatever you want. So I finally got Mizuno glove in 2016 and I used that for 16 and 17. And then I got a new glove in 18. And that was like, like Sean, you're right. Like the first outing with a new glove is big. Like it's big. Yeah. You got to put yeah. up a zero in that first one. Otherwise, it's a big that's decision. Trash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I, I had a couple of Mizuno gloves, one for catch, definitely one for catch play or shag. And then my gamer. And I didn't break my gamer out until I was like in the games. Um, and yeah, I would do all the relacing and stuff and oiling myself. And then I switched to Rawlings at the end of my career and I still got, I still got like 95% of my gloves in my garage. You're going to be the cool yeah, dad on the block and bust them out sometime. Hey kids, check this out. Hit them with a the oh, sidearm. Sure. Hey, check out these, check out these father's day baby boot cleats. I got <laughs> you like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I'll let I'll let kids use them. My kids use them. I'm not like protective about them now. But when I was playing, I didn't want your kids are probably want... the the only wrists that could also fit in there. If I'm hearing <laughs> things correctly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. My wife can fit her hand in it, but uh, they, you know, people are asking like two in the pink. Like, yes, two in the pink. No, not the other way. Don't put your finger out. No fingerhood. I was very particular. I I will say that Emma is one of, if not the best writer of finding things. Her stories a lot of time are just check out this guy, and a lot check of times it's like you make up a guy to get mad at. It almost feels like she's making up a guy to be interested in, but no, it's actually a real person doing real things, and nobody else is hunting down the mud men or the glove the glove fixers. And I yeah, think that that's is important. super interesting. That guy sounds that really fun. Sweet compliment, Rich. Thank you. That's like the only earnest thing you've ever said to me. It's very sweet. <laughs> that is Emma, my gift. Emma, you should ask. On. Emma, yeah, you should ask about like how how do these players? I, I'm assuming, like when it comes to infielders, for example, a lot of them have like protective cases that they'll travel. They'll put their gloves in to travel. And like Trevor, I don't know if you ever did this, but like they come in, they're like a, it's like, it's like a hard shell. It's like, it ends up being like a cube that takes up like half your travel bag, but like you couldn't risk your glove getting misshapen during, you know, the, the bag being thrown onto the plane and then off the plane and then into the clubhouse. And, and so these guys would, um, a lot of times companies would show up to spring training and, and give them to guys that were particular about their gloves maybe or or whatever. But as a pitcher, like I, I don't know, I, I would put a ball in the pocket and just throw it in my glove and I wasn't really like that concerned about it. But these guys would go to great lengths to make sure their gloves stayed in good condition when they traveled. I know exactly Someone what you're talking carry about. carry it with them. Someone would carry yeah, it with someone, them. Like it would be, someone bring it on it the plane be, like in the cabin, their, yeah. Yeah, it'd be like on there. They would strap it to their backpack or like just hold it and carry it onto the plane. I know exactly what you're talking about because I have one and I'm selling it on Facebook Marketplace right now for 40 bucks. Oh, put an ad. Yeah, no, zero interest. It's been up there for like three months. 
Staff heads, is please liz- buy lizard your skin. Case. What kind is it? It's like a. It's called like a glove. Shit, let me check my a glove box. Yeah, glove box. I think it's like yeah. huge, big black thing with like a yeah a post in the middle that you yep. like put the pocket over. Yeah, yeah. Um, Major League Baseball infielders, if you are listening, have you ever come off of a flight and found your prize glove bucks. folded and crushed? Not anymore. <laughs> For just forty dollars, Hildy will send you his glove box. And you'll never have to go to the glove repair man that Emma's writing about. We could offer them a discount if they want to come on the podcast. Maybe. Yeah. Free. Next guest on the podcast gets a glove box for free if they want. Emma's <laughs> coming back next week. Get rid of <laughs> get rid of some stuff. Uh that guy, the glove repair man sounds super interesting. There's a guy I played college baseball with who's now Marucci's like head glove designer. His Instagram is called the Glove Cowboy. And he does incredibly interesting, like glow in the dark gloves. Like he tries to make gloves from like the 1900s that are like all padding, you know? Um, oh yeah, that look like actual hands. Yeah, he he is super into gloves and leather, and um, not to say like that glove repairman is is incomplete, but I think that the glove cowboy could be a cool guy to talk to. His name's Eric Walbridge. Yeah. In my quest of collecting guys, I'll just have to get all of the the gloves adjacent. Yeah. (laughs) One guy I would talk to if you could find Troy Tulowitzki, because SNY, every single time the Mets played the Rockies or the Blue Jays, wherever he was, he was still using like his grade school glove. And every single time a ball got hit to him, they were like, something's going to go directly through this thing one of these days. And they'd zoom in on it. It used to be brown. It was like the cover of the color of snow when it sticks around too long and starts turning like blackish white. Mm-hmm. It, so it was polite. ugly. It was awful. And he loved it. And I'm sure he probably sent it to the Mr. Glove at least once or twice. Get you yeah, Emma, Emma, I would also be interested in different guys that you talk to, their methods of breaking in their gloves. Because that's kind of a hot topic, controversial, like a little bit, where some guys, I've seen guys take a glove like right out of the box and just like dunk it in the hot tub for like a couple minutes and then take it out and like they swore it was ready to go. Other guys would, you know, wrap like a belt around it, put it in their locker, try to shape it a little bit before they'd use it. Guys were beating it with bats and, um, other guys would just go into the batting cage and let the pitching machine just fire balls at them until like it started to shape and and move a little bit better. Um, so there's like all these guys, like, I think that's where like their relationship starts with the gloves is like they've mold, they put all this time and effort into molding it to shape their hand, you know, just the right way. I literally oil. I've seen guys microwave them, put it in the oven put it in like a steamer like the way you like get the leather soft and the way that you want it is so varied this is a lot like baby birds like feeding their their little chicks like from their own mouth except you sort of set up the glove by the pitching machine you sort of take it nice and easy and you're raising a glove think about it you're your glove parents i hate to break it to you but 
that's what you yeah. chose. I don't know, Trev, I don't know how it was for you, but like as a pitcher, I was like, all I need to do is catch the ball back from the catcher. So like I might have I might have got a new glove, but like it really didn't take that long to like be able to just catch the catcher throwing it back to me. So like No, it didn't take too long to like break in. Um no. I didn't I just wanted to look cool. It was all I was always all black uh outside of my GCL glove. Uh I just wanted to look That's cool. That's the only the flare ball. a pitcher has. That's the only flare yeah. a pitcher has, you know? Like yeah, that and cleats, is it? We, we can't wear like arm sleeves or wristbands or eye black, like no Evo shields. We that's all we had is our glove. Mm-hmm. Did you develop a, a different relationship with your glove after you stopped being elite first base prospect Sean Doolittle and you became uh newly minted pitcher Sean Doolittle? Yeah, I I I took really, really good care of my first baseman's mitt. Like it, it was I can relate to the infielders. I see I when I see them you know, restringing their gloves and conditioning the leather. And yeah, I can relate to that because that's how I was with my first baseman's mitt. And I remember um, when I switched to pitching and I uh, made the decision in 2011 to switch. Um, coincidentally, Trev mentioned Mizuno. I was, I had a Mizuno deal at the time and I switched to pitching and I asked for a glove. Did you ask gave me one? I don't remember. I don't remember. He doesn't remember. They I'm just old. did it for him. He didn't. Care. <laughs> no, no, it was no, no. I I do remember because they were like, "We're we'll send you this one," but after this, like, we're we we're not, we can't send you. We're we're cutting you, you off. <laughs> and yeah, they're like, they're stingy. They're Stop stingy. switching positions, buddy. <laughs> they didn't even like, give Ichiro bats till he like won like three batting titles or something. Like it was like Ichiro like, and Todd Elder like the only guys. Yeah. They were like, I think you're just here for the gloves, basically. I think you're just trying to get more gloves from us. They didn't say that. But it was like want to play. I feel like you're just here for the zip line, you know? (laughs) And they were so I was a Rawlings guy after that. And uh and then I was a Wilson guy later in my career. I can't believe they cut you off. I (laughs) I'm just imagining the conversation where it's like, listen, you it's a lot of gloves, man. First base and now, now all of a sudden you're a pitcher. I, I don't think so. Well, I had signed a deal when I got drafted with Mizuno, and it was great. Like they hooked me up, took great care of me, and I loved the glove. It was the gloves they gave me were incredible. But it was a five year deal, and that 2011 was the fifth year, and they were like, after this, like, uh, like nah, I just we just don't see it. We can't. I was like, and I that was like my villain origin story. I was I just got jokerified. I was like, they're 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 not counting on me. They don't think I could do it, man. I took that personally, and you know, I carved out a, a career as a reliever. In your face, Mizuno. Bet you would have liked that airtime during the World Series, idiots. <laughs> they had Hudson. They had Hudson. Yeah, they had well, Hudson. He threw the glove. <laughs> he even he knew. He picked it up. He chucked it. He said, I don't need theirs. Mizuno, Wilson, Rawlings. Uh I probably wouldn't wear Nike, but I tell you what, I would not be caught fucking dead in a new balance glove. I love Otani, but I would never wear a fucking new balance glove. We're out on Otani anyway. It's fine. That's it. Class trader. Oh, we are. 
Yeah. Why? He's finished. He deferred all his money and might have screwed over other free agents. We're like, let's get on, on Mr. Let's get, into, let's get into that. I want to talk about that. Roast him. How's, how does this fuck over other free agents if he's if he gets the biggest contract ever? Well, think about it. Now, if if a if a superstar free agent is, you know, trying to negotiate with a team and the team is gonna go to him and say, Look, we uh, you you want this me? total total dollar figure, but you're gonna have if you want that amount of money, we're gonna have to defer the payments without interest. And you're so you're essentially playing for less money in real time, um, it, it, and it, it's a way that it's going to drive guys' price down. Because if they if they you know take the absolutely absurd position of saying no, I want my money in real time dollars. I don't want to mess with the inflation. I if you're not going to give me interest on the back end, it's a, I'm not going to defer any money. Mm. So. E, now you could see teams, you know, you say like, look, we need to stay under the CBT. So if you don't take deferred money, we can only offer you this much. And it's a huge, it's a huge, you know, cut from the original dollar that they offered him. Um, you, you could see teams starting to, you know, use that against potential free agents. Yeah. I could see teams being like, yo, don't you want to defer money and get like a bigger number? Isn't that sexier? Like, have a five hundred million dollar contract instead of blah blah blah. Um, but wasn't his like value of the contract still in today's dollars like four hundred and sixty million or four hundred and sixty something million? So it's like still more than Scherzer, still more than Trout. Is still the best player on the planet getting the most money. And I don't know why his I don't know why he's structured that way. I mean, being a t- like to do your team a favor and to like stay competitive seems silly. You don't want to like save the Dodgers front office money, um, but I don't know why his agent just to get like a feather in his cap to say I got the biggest contract ever. It seems strange, maybe. But maybe I haven't. I mean, I the, haven't thought the union, about it enough to be the like, That's union bad has for us. allowed the union has allowed you know deferred payments to be you know on the table um, because they they felt like guys having the flexibility to move their contracts around and structure them that way gave them a chance to get, like you were saying, the most dollars that they, yeah. you know, the, the number, the lump, the, the total amount might be higher. Um, so maybe they could move the market forward that way. And, but we've never seen a guy defer 97% of his contract yeah, yeah. before. And yes, it, at the end of the day, even the, like the 700 number, as far as the value of it, once you factor in, you know, the way that it's inflation and everything, he's not going to get 700 million in, you know, by the time you change cost of living adjustments and inflation and stuff like that, he's not hurting for money. Like I don't, it's, it's a noble thing for him to do, but it's like, you're asking the Dodgers to defer that kind of money. They don't need that help. Pay the CBT threshold tax and like get on with your business. Like you're gonna make so much money from the eyeballs he's bringing from an entire country, and the subscript the 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 merchandise tickets subscriptions like you're not gonna you're gonna be fine you're you're gonna be able to afford that luxury tax hit like it, you're the Dodgers first of all 
but you just signed the biggest superstar on the planet. He shouldn't be bending over backwards to accommodate you. Like, I don't know. I, I hope Emma, where do you land on anybody this? In, in free agency. I think it's just such a singular contract for such a singular kind of player that I'm not as concerned about precedent just because like there's not going to be anyone else like this who's talking about numbers like this period um and like I I don't think you're going to see a a ton of copycats just because it's such a singular situation and yeah like what you were saying with the idea of like yeah a 70 million average annual value would have been a crazy record-breaking but 46 average annual value is still record-breaking like even if you adjust for the the time value of the money money he's still setting the record like these are just so crazy loony who numbers that i just think it's such a particular situation that yeah i i get why there's reason to be concerned it's certainly like i think you know you want to see guys paid in real time um as a general principle but i just can't see it being like a real precedent setter just because it's so out there but i was interested i actually went back and looked at um the first big deferred contract was bruce Suter in the 80s and it was a, a ted turner thing and um his deferred contract had interest for 30 years he finished oh, wow. getting paid in 2021 um, and then he died in 2022, uh, which is sad. But um, the other owners were furious and were really freaked out that, like, what if the Braves go under and Bruce Suter is, like, the number one, you know, creditor, basically, of the yeah, team? Like, what, yeah. yeah, exactly. That, like, what if Ted Turner has to sell and, like, a relief pitcher ends up owning the team? Um, and the the other owners tried to block the contract and actually took a vote to censure him which is kind of crazy because like the owners can't really, there wasn't a mechanism at the time to force someone out, but they could take a, like a show of force by voting to censure him and saying like, this is bad. We don't like it. Don't structure contracts like this. And Ted Turner was like, fuck you. I'm going to do what I want. And I'm going to pay Bruce Suter an insane amount of interest over the next, you know, 35 years. And um, yeah, it didn't really set that many. Yeah copycats but um it's kind of crazy to think people have been fighting about it's obviously a different type of deal but about the principle for that long you heard it here first folks ted turner labor legend i pro player (laughs) you listeners at home you can't see this but i saw trevor and sean's eyes when emma started mentioning a reliever possibly taking control of the braves (laughs) both of them lit up like they never have before like wow that would be nice (laughs) <laughs> that's fascinating yeah. that is crazy uh, unfortunately it's that time of the podcast where we wind down and I'm going to give Emma the floor here and let her tell us all about the soda fountain why the beautiful staff head should subscribe thank you for the floor um, I, I think people should subscribe because it's a really fun passion project for me. It's the only thing I get to write that's just based on what I want to do free of any constraints or editorial pressures. And, you know, I think even if you're not a big soda drinker, it's really a newsletter that's not too much about soda as it is about the experience of drinking a soda. And 
that kind of runs through all phases and experiences and activities of life. And uh, I just think it, it's a fun read and, you know, who doesn't like a good cold soda every now and again? So the Soda Fountain, subscribe. Thank you. Hell yeah. Where can people find it? Uh, it's thesodafountain.xyz, a custom domain that I paid for that was cheaper than .com. Um, or it's linked in my Twitter bio or blue sky or Instagram or wherever you're finding me on the internet. And I'll put it in the description too, to make, make sure they have no excuse for not subscribing. Hell yeah. I love it. Well, this was soda soda fountain, soda fountain, soda fountain suicide. Did you ever do that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, That should be an issue. I was obsessed with that as a kid. Do, yeah. do Trevor and Rich know what we're talking about? Isn't that when you just take a little bit of every everything that's on the yes. machine? Yeah. Go all the oh, way down. I've never done that. I've never go like that. suicide, swamp water, whatever the hell other words people use. Like a wow. little Fanta and Baja Blast and Coke. Yeah, if you have like a, a 16 yeah. ounce cup. You just go right. You, you take an ounce right of all 16. Mm-hmm. That's your That's your homework <laughs> assignment for next week. You have to do soda fountain suicide. I don't know what you, what you think, Emma, but I always thought it it tasted the most like Dr Pepper, which makes sense, right? Because it's the combination of the most flavors. Yeah. So they and say it's cola and a, a fruity note. Yeah. Yeah. Although every once out. in a while you, you guys... get a fountain that had something weird. Like, it's one thing if there was one, like, fruit punch or Fanta or whatever, but then if you had, like, multiples, it would really throw off the balance. Like, high C. You get, like, fruit punch. Yeah. High C, and, like, some of them now have, like, blue Powerade. You could get some weird ones now. One thing I will say. Oh, you know know what would be awesome? You know those, I don't know what they're called, the big soda... They're they're big red Coca-Cola... The freestyle machines. Machines. Yeah. Yeah. With the screens. Oh, my gosh. You could... You could you could you could be there all day making a making a mixed soda drink. Okay, this is another topic I want to do a, a future issue on. But Sean, you might find this of interest as a DC former resident, current resident. I'm not sure you're current resident. Current. They posted current. his address current. just to be sure. Um, <laughs> there's a map of all the freestyle machine locations, and it's so fascinating to me. Like half of the government buildings have them, and half of them don't. Like the Department of the Treasury does have a freestyle machine, uh, but the Department of Labor doesn't. And there's like one in the Senate, but there's not one in the House. Uh, like <laughs> the wings of wow. the. <laughs> this is that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Do you think that we got to find out the freestyle machine? Do you think, in some ways, it it's hurt the the offbeat nature of Soto, where everywhere you go, if there's a freestyle machine, you know what eight flavors and 25 different sodas they have do you think it was a different vibe when you'd go and you're like all i know is i'm getting either coke or pepsi and everything else god knows what it is so i do like in principle agree that in some ways having too much choice can be crippling like i feel this every time i log on to netflix or whatever but in the case of the freestyle machine there are just so many wonderful combinations something like a ginger lime Diet Coke that is not easily available outside the freestyle machine. Very hard to find. Delightful combination. Um, Diet Cherry Vanilla. Like, 
it's just giving me things I want that I can't really find elsewhere. And so it's very important to me for that reason. Speaking of it, since I had called out the Camden Yards press box earlier for its Sierra Mist, there aren't a ton of uh, freestyle machine press boxes, but Philly has a great one. Um, that's the, the one I've spent the most time in with the freestyle machine. So, you know, great stuff. Do they Max know Park you're coming regular. before, like, they know a series is coming? They're like, look, we got to re-up on all the syrup. Make sure everything's there for her. I guess they do now. They better. Well, that was that was a beautiful way to end this, I think. The beauty of freestyle and the choice as an American. Uh, on behalf of Trevor and Sean and Czar of the Soda Fountain Emma, I'm Richard, and this was Staff Guest. Thank you.